0: You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Odessa, Texas. You can connect with us online by visiting RedeemerChurchOdessa.org.
1: Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, My name is Chad Adams. It's nice to meet everybody. If you don't know me, my wife, Albany Adams, and I are part of the church uh, and our daughter, Charlotte, too. Uh, We're part of the McLean Community Group. (laughs) Proud member. Uh, today, we're going to be reading in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Uh, we're reading out of the ESV translation, and I'll give you guys a few minutes to turn there. I don't know what page it's on. Sorry, I'm not much help in that regard. But 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever.
0: Hey, good morning. It's good to be with you. My name's Tanner House. I'm the lead pastor here at Redeemer Odessa. Uh, if you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. There is a connect card uh, under your chair. No, th- that's that's past. Uh, there are QR codes around, and you can take a minute, scan that, fill that out, let us know how we can plug you in, get you plugged into the life of the body, how we can serve you. Um, also, there are physical Connect cards on the back table there if you would like one of those. And we have an app in the App Store. Uh, you can download that. Uh, it's Redeemer Odessa, and there sermon notes in there if you're interested in those. And if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. We use the ESV, and it, uh, uh, Daniel will bring you a Bible if you need one. So if you're a guest, today is going to be a little different than a typical Sunday at Redeemer Odessa. We convictionally preach what's known as expository preaching, where we go verse by verse through entire books of the Bible. So today, we're actually shifting gears a little bit, we're going to have a little bit more of a topical sermon that's going to feel a little bit more like a Bible study, probably, than a sermon, because today we are installing our first in-house elder, uh, and we are appointing two new deacons. So currently, our our church elder board is set up like this. I'm here as the as an elder, and then we have two guys at different churches. Uh, Jeremy Buck at Redeemer Pampa is one of our elders, and Brandon Barker is the executive director of the Redeemer Network. Uh, he's also one of our elders. and that they just exist to kind of give me some oversight and watch our finances to make sure I'm not embezzling money and all of that kind of stuff. So um, that is our current elder board. and, The goal for us is to have men and men that are elders at Redeemer, both on staff and um, who are just lay guys. And so today is a huge day for us as a church. And so there's going to be some things that are different for us than maybe a normal week. Uh, But I'm glad you're here to worship with us and to celebrate God's faithfulness to us as a body. So before we jump in, let's let's pray and, and we're going to jump into this text. Lord Jesus, we need you. Show us our need for you. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to us to raise up men to lead in the church and in the home. And just thank you for your faithfulness uh, at Redeemer, uh, Lord, that you have provided us qualified men to lead and serve. So as we look at your word today, Lord, I pray that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed and encouragement where encouragement is needed, and we would see you do a work. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, So like I said, we're appointing an elder and two deacons today at Redeemer Church. In Scripture, we see the office of elders and deacons in the context of the local church. So David Platt defines the roles like this. Elders are the servant leaders of the church, and deacons are the leading servants of the church. So let me make a couple of distinctions real quick between a local church and the universal church. The universal church means all Christians everywhere. We are united in a common confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Through Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, we affirm that Jesus Christ has defeated sin on our behalf and is reigning and ruling and will do so for all eternity. It is this confession that unites Christians in Odessa, Texas, in Odessa, Ukraine, in Mexico, in China, and everywhere that Christians gather in the name of Jesus. The local church is a local expression of this. So Redeemer Odessa, then, is a local church. The church, both locally and universally, is made up of people who have been saved by God, the word in the New Testament for church is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. So therefore, the church is not a building, but a people. The church is not a structure, but a people who have been saved by God through faith in Christ, who are then indwelled with God's Holy Spirit. God saves people and God indwells them with his spirit to lead, to guide, to direct, to convict us of sin, and to grow us in holiness. The local church, then, are the people that gather together in our immediate context to worship together, to have communion together, and to listen to God's word preached together as we have committed ourselves to God and this body of believers. So, This is one of the reasons why we push covenant membership so hard here. So we ask you to consider your membership of Redeemer Odessa on a yearly basis in order that we are able to hold one another accountable to the things of Jesus. We're trying to hold one another accountable to our spiritual disciplines, to our giving, to our serving, to living on mission, We practice covenant membership here because as pastors, we want to know the people we are shepherding. And it gives us a place also of covenantal accountability. And since membership matters because it matters to Scripture, then church leadership matters. So briefly, I want to say this as well. Sometimes in the New Testament, you see the word elder or pastor or overseer. It's the same word, and this is the office of a pastor. In Scripture, this office is always commanded to be qualified men. And so at Redeemer Church, we are what's known as complementarian, meaning this. We are deeply committed to... To the fundamental spiritual and moral equality of male and female, and we're also deeply committed to men as responsible servant leaders in the home and in the church. It's this idea that men and women are created equal in God's image, but with different and distinct roles. You can see this all the way back in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2. Adam and Eve were both created in the image of God, but Adam was the head. In the New Testament, you see this distinction mainly in marriage, like in 1 Corinthians 11 or Ephesians 5, with the husband as the head of the woman and in church leadership where men are called to lead the church, like Acts 20 or our text today. So elders at Redeemer are godly, qualified men who have been called by God to lead the church. So let's go back briefly to creation in the book of Genesis. God creates man and woman and he puts them in the garden. He gives them authority and he charges them to care for creation. They were put in the garden to enjoy God's gift and to enjoy God himself. Think about it, sin had yet entered the world and so they had perfect fellowship with God. God said, live in this garden. Enjoy it. There's only one thing you can't do. Don't eat from the tree. Don't eat the fruit from the tree over there. And if you remember the story, it's Eve who is tempted by Satan and Eve who eats first. But then if you read Genesis 3:6, it says she ate gave some of the fruit to her husband who was standing there with her. Adam sees and Adam hears everything that's going on around him. And he doesn't stop Eve from eating first. He passively allows his wife to step into a trap. And when God comes into the garden, well aware of what Adam and Eve had done, he asks, Where are they? Where are you? Not because he needs information and not because he doesn't really know where they're at. But because he is exposing sin, God confronts Adam first. Because this is how creation is designed to work. Adam is giving an account for his household. Men, you will give an account to how you lead in your home. Adam is created first, and he is the responsible head. Eve is created second, and she is his helper. Men and women are equal in worth, value, and dignity before God, but biblically they have different roles. And for whatever reason, God in his wisdom has called men to lead in the home and the church. This is why in the New Testament, elders are always referred to as men. It's part of the fabric of God's creation and it reflects the authority of God in the church. So let's talk about elders first. First Timothy 3 beginning in verse 1 it says, "The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task." First we see that the man being appointed as an elder is called and he desires this calling. Again, the word overseer is an interchangeable term in the New Testament. Pastor, elder, bishop, overseer, the same word for the same office. So from the onset, we see that the elder is called to lead in the church and lead in his home. This isn't something random. This isn't something to take lightly. This is something that the man feels as God makes a calling on his life in order to pursue church, it is no light thing to take responsibility for God's people. There really is a spiritual weight and a responsibility to this. And look what else. As a man called to this ministry, the elder then has some qualifications. Look at verse 2. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Elders have wrestled and conquered blatant sinful behavior, not that they never ever sin, but that they are characterized by repentance, And they're not characterized by serious, sinful, public, immoral character flaws. They're the husband of one wife, meaning they are a one-woman man. Elders are fully devoted to their wife if they're married. And if they're single, they are fully devoted to biblical purity until God, if he will, sends them a wife. Elders are self-controlled. They're not controlled by their appetites of their stomachs or their sexual appetites. They don't abuse stuff like alcohol. They aren't accidentally or intentionally drunk. They don't depend on alcohol to cope. They can control their tongue. They're temperate in all things, self-controlled, sober-minded. They're hospitable, meaning they love and invite non-Christians into their lives. And they're able to teach. Not every elder has to preach awesome sermons, but elders can sit down with the Bible and explain it to people who then have questions. An elder who is not a man of the word is a biblical impossibility. An elder who is not a man of the word should not exist. An elder is nonviolent, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, if they are parents, they are present, not passive. Their children respect them and obey them. Elders are characterized by these things. When they fail, when they struggle, they confess, and they repent, and they trust Christ. These men are called by God, and they love the word of God, and are To humbly and courageously love God's people in the way that Jesus has loved us. Elders are not perfect people by any means. The assumption is that people will continue to sin. However, elders are humble and correctable, especially when confronted with their own sin. The expectation of elders is spiritual maturity characterized by faith and dependence on the Lord for all of life. So when we talk about elders here, we're not talking about the age of a person, but we're talking about men who have been changed by Jesus and who live like the Bible is calling them to live. And this is also evidenced by time. So look at verse 6. He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So elders then are men who have been walking with Jesus for a long time so that they can exhibit a commitment to Christ and a desire to fight sin and a desire to resist the devil. Additionally, they are well thought of by people outside of the church, meaning their lifestyle is one worthy of the calling which they have received. While an outsider may not agree with our worldview, the elder offers them no reason to question their commitment to Christ. So this is a call of an elder. And look, real quick, just as a brief aside, this is actually a calling on all Christians. Like, if you're a Christian, this is for you. With the exception of the ability to teach, These are things that you all should aspire to. It's interesting to me, surrounding this discussion of elders, that pretty much the entire list deals with the person's character. Like competency and compatibility on a team, those things are important. However, if the man doesn't have godly character, he can have all the skills and the charisma. And would not make a biblically qualified elder. My desire for this church, if I'm honest, is that every single man in this room would aspire to be an elder. Because that means that every single man in this room would aspire to want to glorify Jesus in their own lives and in their home. So, as we think about elders' church, the question for us is this What would happen in our church? if everyone imitated the elders. That is both an encouragement to me and a significant caution because as the leader goes, so goes everybody else. Over time, a church will adopt the values of the leadership. So, for example, if the leadership is full of gossips, the church will be full of gossips. If the leadership doesn't live missionally, then the church won't live missionally. If the leadership is indifferent towards sin in their own life, then the church will be indifferent about sin in their own life. If the leaders are committed to Scripture, Lord willing, the church will be too. So it's crucial that we appoint faithful and biblically qualified men to lead. So just to summarize, and I'm going to borrow from David Platt again, you, when you examine the scriptures, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 1 Peter 5, you can categorize a biblically qualified elder in four ways. Number one, the personal life of an elder is characterized by self-control, wisdom, peaceable, gentle, a generous and sacrificial giver, humble, patient, honest, and, And disciplined. The family life of an elder is characterized by being the pastor of his home. If he's single, he's self-controlled. If he's married, he's completely committed to his wife. If he has kids, they honor him. The social and work life of an elder is characterized by kindness, hospitality, being a friend of strangers, not showing favoritism, and having a blameless reputation. This is not perfection, but being above reproach. And that includes the elder's relationship to alcohol. I think 2023 millennial and Gen Z people need to hear that one. The spiritual life of an elder is characterized by being a disciple maker, being a man of the word, being a man of prayer, holiness, graciousness. No one fulfills this list perfectly. As each of us have numerous sins we have to confess daily, yet elders ought to live lives worthy of imitating and lives that reflect Christ. Elders know the word, they obey the word, they teach the word so that the church of Christ may be built up in the word. Functionally in our church, what this means is this, that when we appoint elders, we are then equal in authority as we submit to the authority of Jesus. So elders in the New Testament are always spoken of in a plurality, meaning more than one. So this is a protection for the elders and a protection for the church. So then the elders of churches biblically are equal and equal in authority. There is no head elder. And so, as we appoint Matt today, Matt is one of your pastors after this service. So that's elders. And in verse 8, Paul shifts his attention from elders to deacons. So unlike elders, deacons can be either a man or a woman. We see this in Romans 16 with the woman Phoebe. And that exists because, women, um, because deacons are not authorities in the church. The word for deacon in the New Testament, both as a noun and a verb, is used over a hundred times, and it's always referring to ministries of service. So like Ephesians 4.12, for example, we see Paul talking about the work of ministry. That is the responsibility of all Christians, and in our local church, it's the responsibility of all members. So that's why we push service so hard here, because we're all called into one family, Through the cross of Christ, we're called to love and serve the church as a reflection of the way Christ has loved and served us. He emptied himself for his bride. This is the calling of all of us to love and serve Christ and one another the way that Christ has served us. So like our desire for all men to aspire to be an elder here, it is also a desire that every single member of this church would serve and lead like deacons. Because deacons lead out in service. So deacons then, in a simplified job description, are to execute the ministry under the vision and leadership of the elders. So just as an aside, I don't know what your church backgrounds are, but mine is going to be a lot like what I'm about to describe. Um, And in a lot of churches, deacons actually hamper the ministry of the church, Unfortunately, like in many churches, deacons get nominated and churches appoint deacons who function like the biblical model for elders. And so these appointments are often based on a person's church attendance or their giving or their handyman skills. And none of these things are wrong, right? It's good to go to church regularly. However, deacons that are not spiritual and then put into positions meant to model service that are then making high-level decisions for the church without the calling or without the character or without the competency to do so will ultimately hurt a church and not help it. So we see this deacon ministry, and it begins in Acts 6. Let's look at this together. Acts 6, 1 through 7, it'll be up on the screen, or if you want to turn there in your Bibles, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. I practiced all those names last night and said them flawlessly. Uh... These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So just real quickly, context of Acts 6. The Jerusalem church is experiencing rapid growth. You have these uh, Hebrews, the former Jews converted to Christianity, and these Hellenists, which are Greek-speaking Jews. And there is kind of this racial divide that is happening. It might be intentional. It might not be. The text doesn't really say. But the Hellenist widows are waiting in line to get their food, and they are not being served food by the people serving uh the mostly hebrews serving these these widows. And so these Hellenists, these Greek speaking Jews go to the apostles and say, "Hey man, this is not right. Our ladies aren't getting their food." And the apostles are like, "Well, we could stop preaching and teaching the Bible and wait tables, or we could appoint men, appoint people to to pick this up, to serve these people. And so they picked these seven men based on their qualifications. It said the man had good reputation and they were full of the spirit of God and they were wise. And then they laid hands on them and, and appointed them as the first deacons. And look what happened. Verse seven, it says, the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples, that means the number of followers of Jesus multiplied greatly. And it's because these men, these seven men, were serving faithfully, and the apostles could continue to preach and teach and pray. So the deacon ministry officially begins in Acts 6, and it began in order to meet needs surrounding specific ministries and circumstances in the early church. And what you see is that these needs are being met in order that the Word of God can continue. In Acts 6, the deacons serve so the apostles could continue to preach and teach. And the same is true for us. Deacons are going to serve so that the elders can lead and teach, cast vision, pray. And deacons then are going to serve to model and equip others for service the deacons are also accountable to their areas of service. So in Acts 6, these deacons serve as a reflection of God's own heart to care for widows in their distress. So today, the deacon ministry will fulfill specific needs of this church. So for example, we are appointing David Terry today, who is going to assist in serving the church by using his gifts to help monitor our finances, and he's going to also do some other things But he's doing this specifically because financial stewardship is a calling of the church of God. So deacons are also in place to unite the church, not divide the church. In Acts 6, the issue of food service was causing a spiritual rift that threatened the church. And these deacons were appointed to serve in order that unity was in the body and it was maintained. So that's some brief deacon history. Let's look at their qualifications real quick. Verse 8. 1 Timothy 3 verse 8, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So one thing to take note of here is that these qualifications are strikingly similar to that of the elders with the exception of the ability to teach. Deacons are put into place to support the mission of the church. Deacons are to see that the mission of the church goes forward, and they're to work to help others in this ministry. So every part of the deacon ministry is mission. A church without mission-minded, biblically qualified deacons will not be a church taking the gospel to the nations. Deacons also have Christ-like character. Again, no one fulfills these qualifications perfectly, as each of us have numerous sins we need to confess daily, yet deacons ought to live lives worthy of imitating, and lives worthy of the calling they've received, and lives that reflect Christ. Deacons know the word, obey the word, and live the word so that the church of Christ may be built up in the word. Deacons are called to be genuine, self controlled, faithful givers who honor Christ in word and in deed in their homes and in society. So today, we're appointing deacons that have been tested as servant leaders and who are wholeheartedly committed to this church and its mission of seeing Christ proclaimed in Odessa and beyond. So, with Jesus as the true servant, God has given his church deacons to support the elders and, and the church in caring for the needs. Of the church. Deacons are faithful and mature Christians who free up the elders to focus on the ministry of the word and to pray. And in doing so, they are empowering the church for maturity and for mission. So, again, this is a big day for our church because we're taking steps towards health and towards maturity. And as a body, we're trying to do things according to the scripture because the scripture is our authority. So I want to say this before we transition. This is an important day for us because God has given us men and women who are faithful and who are called into this body. The story of this church is a story we remind ourselves of every week, that God is faithful to us. The story of this church, the story of our lives, the story of the Bible is that God is faithful even when we're not That God loves us more than we can imagine. We can praise God for biblically qualified elders and deacons because God has been faithful to save and redeem us through the cross and resurrection. We've been called into a family through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. God has called us to this place for this time. And so we can be thankful for his faithfulness to us. And now we can join him on mission. The story of this church is that God gives us everything we need exactly when we need it, every time. That's God's wisdom, and it's so much higher than ours. God knows what he's doing, and our job then is to submit to him in faith and dependency. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, Again, everything is completely different today than a normal Sunday. Um, I'm going to tell you again who our elder appointee is and our deacon appointees, and then we're going to lay hands on them and commission them into this calling. So as I lay hands on Matt and pray, and then as he and I lay hands on David and Chad, there's nothing mystical happening here. Rather, this is the biblical precedent established for commissioning people into ministry, Moses lays hands on Joshua. In Acts 6, they lay hands on the first deacons. Paul lays hands on Timothy. That's just to name a few. So we're simply just recognizing what God has done for us. Like, I didn't create these elders and deacons. God did. And that's a gift to us. So as I pray for these men, would you pray for us? Pray that God would protect the church and the leaders of the church and would you praise God for raising up faithful men to lead and to serve at Redeemer? And then after we pray, we're going to take communion as, as a body. So, Matt and Jordan, would you come up here? Kendra, would you join us too? Lord Jesus, you are good, so good to us. Thank you for being a good, good Father. Today, Lord, as a body, we rejoice in what you have done in raising up godly men to care and shepherd your people. Thank you for Matt. Thank you for his humility. Thank you for his grace. Thank you for his faith. Thank you for how he has already been a faithful servant leader in this church. And Lord, thank you that today we get to recognize that and to honor and affirm this calling that you have placed on on his life. Lord, thank you for the qualifications you have given him to lead as an elder of Redeemer. I ask, Lord, for continued faithfulness in his life. I ask that you would bless he and his family, Lord, that you would protect he and his family. And I ask that you would give him great fruitfulness in ministry and effectiveness in ministry as he continues to do your work. Lord, give him the desire to continue to lay down his life so that your people may benefit and thrive in their pursuit of you. I pray that you would... Continue to give Matt the ability to see his sin for what it is. Lord, that he would be the chief repenter in his home and the lead repenter in this church and to exemplify the faith in every way that you have given us. Lord, increase his joy. Protect him from the enemy. Lord, let us in this position of elder be marked by faithfulness like you have been faithful to us, Jesus. Let us not do anything to tarnish the reputation and the name and the glory and honor of Jesus, or let us not do anything to harm your people. God, you are good, you are faithful. Give us the strength to continue running this race that you have set before us. Lord, use us as you see fit. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you are doing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, David, Terry, Kim, Chad, and Albany, would you come? And we were going to pray for you all as well. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our true servant. You have served us faithfully by giving up your life on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithful example of selfless service to your body, the church. Lord, in accordance with the scriptures, we entrust these men to you in service to you. Lord, thank you for the deacon ministry in which men and women are called to follow your example of service. I pray for Chad and David who have been faithful servants of Redeemer Church. I pray that you would increase their joy and increase their faith. I pray that they would be men who would continue to push the mission of God forward in this body. I pray that they would model the faithful service of you, Jesus. May they be men of character, men of integrity men who serve from humility and lead by faith in this church and in unity by their example. Thank you for their wives and their families, and I pray that you would protect them from the schemes of the devil. May they be men who would bring glory and honor to your name. Thank you for your life, Jesus. Thank you for what you are doing in this body. In Christ's name we pray, amen, amen.